Welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Hello. We're joined today very closely by Engineer April. She's yes. in my lap. <laughs> April is in Jessica's lap, hanging out. She has lots to say about Charles in charge. Oh, yes. <laughs> Even though she just yawned, so maybe she doesn't. How do you feel, April? How's it going? Do you have any top of the show business? She says, I want to know what's on this table. <laughs> So welcome back. Um, how's it going? A little thrown off because we didn't do our opening bit. <laughs> yeah. Because we got the little thing this week. So thanks to Daniel for doing that. Um, Top of oh, the show business? <laughs> well, you know what? So this week we are doing Charles in Charge. And, uh, you know, on the self-titled Reliant K record, this is a cover of the Charles in Charge theme song, which was an 80s sitcom, mm-hmm. with some added lyrics and a whole added like middle part. If you've ever listened to the Reliant K song, Charles in Charge, and the demo version, well, actually, it doesn't even matter if you listen to the demo version, which has a different title, but if you listen to the self-titled record and you've heard that voice at the beginning that goes, hey, Charles, check this out. This is fat. That's Willie Ames, and he's the sidekick buddy from the show that we're going to be talking about. Willie Ames has been on Cameo, and I was really excited months ago when I discovered he was on Cameo. Well, then I found out that his Cameo account is inactive. Like, he's not currently taking Cameos. Bummer. So I waited and waited and waited to see if he would reactivate, and he never did. So we're like, well, we can't keep waiting around, so let's just do it. So I wanted to... Whatever it was going to cost, I wanted to pay Willie Ames to like recreate the opening and say, "Hey, check out this podcast." But we got the we got the better option, which is Daniel to do this for us. So maybe Willie Ames didn't isn't active on his cameo because of what we found out about Charles in Charge that happened about came out about three years ago. But we'll get to that (laughs) in the meantime. So I've heard the name Willie Ames before, and Uh I thought he was a baseball player. And he could be. And I'm not getting confused with Willie Mays. Okay. <laughs> I know that's a different guy, but I don't know. I thought the name Willie Ames had to do with baseball as April's well. April's still hanging out on your lap. I know. She just wanted to cuddle today. <laughs> so she's never... Every, she's like, every time you guys sit at the table without me, I just lay on the floor. I And first of all, April, you're supposed to be engineering. You're supposed to be at the computer. You're supposed to be at the ones and twos. But instead, she just lays on the floor and sleeps. So this time she's like, no, I really want to get involved. I want to prove my worth on the podcast. I want to show that a dog can engineer a podcast. <laughs> so yeah, we, could, we couldn't get Williams on the thing. And I wanted to have him do that part. And I wanted to have him do right before our break and say, hey, this is Danny and Jess doing their Patreon read. <laughs> they're, they're rad or whatever he says. I don't remember. Doesn't he say this is rad or this is great? I don't remember. We can listen to the song again. I didn't listen to the song before deciding to do it. But we do have some voicemails. So there was one. So we only had one. We might have one other voicemail from Lindy that I accidentally 
archived, but I can find it later. But I think we're caught up on Lindy. She had one other voicemail from the 4th of July where she was checking in and saying, how you doing? And you don't have to play this on the podcast. And then she mentioned, but I did want to mention this, that she like learned about Harmony from Reliant K. Like, because she is a singer and we commented on, she's got a great voice and she's sang for our outro song before and she sang our classic song, 100 Episodes. Well, she learned about the, what Harmony is from Reliant K, just listening to Reliant K. That's great. So that is great. So we're caught up on Lindy. We still have a bunch left from Daniel. <laughs> so, and like only two other left from other people. And I just, it's just my OCD. I want to get to every voicemail. So let's quickly hear what Jarrett called about back on July 9th. Okay. <laughs> we're almost there. Hey, this is Jarrett again. I thought I would clarify real quick on what I mean by Star Wars sequel trilogy being fan fiction. Oh, this must have been... <laughs> Shoot. So this is a voice... This is a follow-up voicemail to a voicemail oh, we played boy. Open up this can weeks of worms ago. again. Um, I think of it as because George Lucas is, like, the creator of Star Wars, uh, so therefore the original and the prequel trilogy, like, are directly from him, like, his creation as part of that universe that he himself created... And the sequel trilogy is just people coming along and taking that vision and just running with it. So it would kind of be like if Reliant K disbands, but I'm like, hey, let me take up the Reliant K name and perform your songs and then write under that moniker. Like, it, it wouldn't be Reliant K. It would be Jared K. And that just sounds really stupid. But yeah, um, so that's, that's kind of just what I mean by fan fiction. Like, it's fans of the Star Wars universe um or like outside people and their thoughts coming and running with what George Lucas created. Um and so I don't you know personally I don't count the sequel trilogy as Lucas canon. And you know, you can I know people disagree with that or however they want to think of it. But that's hopefully that clarifies some things. So yeah, that makes total sense. I feel like we might I have actually gotten to that this. point. Yeah. You know what it was? I think he like said how the sequel trilogy was fan fiction in his main voicemail, but then he called up to clarify that. Gotcha. But we didn't need the clarification. I think we, we kind of got what he yeah, meant. Yeah, absolutely. So we got that one down. We're so close. So here's another voicemail from Sean, and then that's it. And then all we have left are Daniel's. All we have left are Daniel voicemails, <laughs> all of which are like always valuable because he's got great stuff to say. So we've almost cleared the plate of everybody else. Everyone's voicemails are of great importance and equal value. Of course. Of course. I don't want to say anyone's voicemails are more valuable than the others. How dare I say that? You're all our children. <laughs> our <What>? listeners. <laughs> you, our listeners, are all our children. Oh, no. <laughs> Hey, Dan and Jess. Sean from Pennsylvania again. Uh, call number two for this week. This one is in response to your... What even was the song you did from two left? I am understood. That's it. That's right. I just wanted to use this opportunity to talk about something, you know, two less related because um, I've been I'm kind of hanging on to this one for a while. So there's another podcast. You might know about it. Um, it's kind of funny. It's called Good Christian Fun, uh, where these two people uh, take a look at... Stuff from Christian pop culture, movies, music, TV shows, and everything, and look at it through a post-evangelical lens and everything. And they kind of poke fun at, 
um, kind of acknowledge the cheesiness of some things and everything. They've done a couple, and it's not all, you know, funny and bad and everything. They're not making fun of everything. Sometimes they actually come to the end of the episode saying, no, yeah, this was pretty good. And they've done a couple of Reliant K episodes. One of them even was with uh, Grace Semler Baldridge. But I don't know if I want to recommend that you listen to them because sometimes they're not too kind to our collective favorite band. But anyway... That's not the main point. The main point is, towards the beginning of this podcast, they had a segment called The Hunt for the Worst Christian Song Ever. And, you know, it started out, they had songs like Cartoons by Chris Rice and um, and some other, like, really cringy um, punk songs, like the Big the big M by, um, I don't even remember the name of the band they want. Danny probably knows it. So they're on the hunt for the worst Chris Rock song ever? Because all I can remember is, like, No Sex in the Champagne Room. That's, like, the only big song he had. Do you remember No Sex in the Champagne Room? Nope. By Chris Rock? That was his, like, one dabble. It was, like, a somewhat of a comedy song, like, kind of a But I had The Bathroom Wall by Jimmy Fallon. That'll come up later, by the way. We'll get to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but anyway, they did Moodrings for a while, and it was like the perennial winner because it, they they just like the the <laughs> message of that song just made them so angry. the 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 girl host of the podcast it made her so angry every time she just absolutely hated it. It won so many times in a row that I don't know if they made this rule for this song, but it was the first one to apply to it where they actually imposed a rule that if a song won like more than five times in a row, they would have to retire it. And Moodrings won that many times uh, as like the worst Christian song. Like they, they did not like it. And honestly, in retrospect, I kind of see it. You know, I understand that it's a fan favorite and, you know, it's, it's a classic. It's kind of funny, but I don't know. It, it makes me uncomfortable these days, but you know. I, I know it's an ongoing discussion. I know you guys, you know, still kind of touch on it, but I, I'm sorry. It bugs me too now, but yeah. So that's my mood ring story. Uh, maybe check out Good Christian Fun, but yeah. Keep up the good work, guys. I'll keep listening. Bye. Have these people never heard Christmas shoes? <laughs> or Baby's First Christmas? Both terrible, terrible songs. So I, yeah, I have heard of the Good Christian Fun podcast. Um, I think I'd seen it talked about randomly by people here or there that I follow before we started this podcast. But now occasionally we get tagged in stuff like when Good Christian Fun talks about Relying K on Twitter or sometimes when people are like, what are your favorite podcasts? And maybe it was even... Sean, who tagged us, or maybe other people who tagged us along with them. Um, I've just never checked out their podcast. I haven't had a chance to check it out. So it seems like they're pretty popular. Haven't gotten around to it, but would like to check it out. Although it like begs a couple of things like, you know, Mood Rings, I just, there's, I, I got a bunch of stuff that I've been thinking about recently in terms of evangelical culture and stuff like that. And I've kind of realized in hindsight, you know, and we've touched on this recently, and I've only really been thinking about it over the last couple of months, is that, like, I was never evangelical. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There was a, to compare it to something, there was a This American Life from several years ago where there was this guy who was, like, a star at an alcohol either alcohol anonymous or something similar to that right he was a star there because he had 
stopped his alcoholism at a very early age when he was like a teen like when he was a kid like Mm -hmm. he was 10 years old and he had drank and then he stopped it and he's been sober ever since and he was so invested in the like was he italian well (laughs) well because they get to drink alcohol at an early age and the french do too yeah you go to buca de beppo there's always pictures of kids smoking and drinking on the walls (laughs) that's that's what i thought you meant But what the point of this 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 American Life episode is that years later, you know, as he as he grew up and continued to give his testimony at Alcohol Anonymous things, he started reinvestigating his sort of life and reinvestigating his context, uh-huh. and realized that he had literally just drank once as a kid, oh, wow. and that the, the like the sort of expectation of that and and the, the the reverberations of that in his personal life led him to think he was an alcoholic but he actually wasn't and he realized he yeah. wasn't an alcoholic yeah in hindsight so i can see how that happens right but he still like did good helping lots of people mm-hmm. remain sober and i don't remember if in the end he was like well i'm literally not an alcoholic so i can enjoy some alcohol now or if he just kept sober but i know he i'm pretty sure he kept like you know, with caring about other people, sobriety. Mm-hmm. It's not like he was like, I can drink all I want now. But I think of that story in terms of some of my religious and evangelical stuff. Like I could never be like this so-called ex-angelical thing because I realized like, yeah, I was into Christian pop culture, but I was so clearly not entrenched in what's like sort of now called evangelical Culture. I I did not live in that. And a lot of my experience with it was (laughs) self-inflicted. If if the word inflicted is the verb I'm looking for, it was, it was actually my parents need to send me to private school. And we talked about it on failure to excommunicate. I could have gone to many different types of private school, non-religious ones, Catholic ones, like very hard line Protestant ones, but not even necessarily evangelical. Well, I went to what was called a non-denominational church, but they were actually sort of closer to the evangelical side of things. And I imposed on myself. I'm like, I like these Christian punk bands. I like Veggie Tales. I like some of these Christian movies. And I'm going to also have all this, but my parents never imposed on me. Like you can't watch my parents. My parents only said you can't watch this or you can't listen to that. No more than any parent, any right. religion Right, they just wanted would. you to go to the Christian bookstore and pick out a CD. Like, they might have had me not listen to Nine Inch Nails because it seemed demonic, right? But a lot of parents would have their kids yeah. not listen to Nine Inch Nails because of his lyrics, right? Right. And my parents had me not listen to Adam Sandler's first CD because it was incredibly dirty. And that was, that got spoken to my parents about by a friend of mine who was Jewish. Like, I borrowed, I lent that CD to my Jewish friend. Mm-hmm. And his parents sure, were like, yeah. they called up my parents and said, uh, we don't normally mind about this stuff, but this CD is way too dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so my point is, like, when it comes to something like Good Christian Fun or other podcasts that I've been listening to that are from more of an evangelical point of view, I'm realizing, like, I'm more and more outside of that from my childhood. And I have understanding of it. Right, but and I still I'm even have this further one detached in, one from out. it. Right. I'm even further detached from it, where I learned about a lot of like stuff just through Danny that I had no idea was even a thing. So I think of the idea that mood rings would be considered by this podcast the worst Christian, so- the worst Christian song of all time, and I'm like, 
Because another tract that I've been on recently is like, what makes Mood Rings a Christian song? The -hmm. fact that it's by a Christian band. Like, there's nothing Christian about it. You know what I mean? Like, what about what have you been doing lately? Right. Like, the thing is, like, nothing in the song Mood Rings by Reliant K espouses Christian ideals. And maybe in the context of it is a Christian band singing this song. Sure. But there's, they have a song about sexist. May the Horse. Yeah, it's just sexist. May the Horse Be With You. It's just sexist. It's just sex, <laughs> but it is just sexist. Yes. And like Tom, De- and I, I, I re- mentioned, oh, I mentioned this on a Patreon episode recently that hasn't even come out yet. But Tom DeLong is a protest Christian, right? He's not evangelical. He mm. doesn't speak of it, but he's believed in Christ in his life. He's gone to Christian churches, but you wouldn't call Blink-22 a Christian band. Right. You do call Reliant K a Christian band. But what makes Mood Rings a Christian song? So for me, if I was looking for the worst Christian song of all time, the lyrics have to be Christian. Sorry, I just got on this sort of other tangent based on other things we've been talking about recently. You're putting on... What is this? Baby's First Christmas by Bobby Gosh. Is Bob, was Bobby Gosh Christian? I can't remember. I don't know, but he's got this Christian Christmas album. And this is Baby's First Christmas. And this is a far worse song than Mood Rings. <laughs> Baby's first Christmas. How did you learn about Bobby Gosh? We learned about him in Chicago. Did he work? He yeah, did something with your the company you worked for in Chicago? Yeah, he's from Vermont, Vermont, but for some reason in Chicago, he was a customer and brought this CD in for us to play at Christmas time, or he knew the owner or something. Yeah, Yeah, maybe he knew the owner of the company who. And then we found out he's this kind of like. He co wrote some of the songs on Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, (laughs) which are amazing songs. Clearly, Dolly Parton carrying the weight. No offense, Bobby Gosh, but. Listen to this. Feels like a very so we were song. like we can't put this on in the store. People will leave. <laughs> so why'd you pick this? Because this is Christian to you, or it's Christmas? Yeah. Close enough. Close enough. Well, thanks to Sean for the voicemail. I have so much other stuff to say about this idea of Christian punk. Like one could argue, if it's I've... Christmas, it's Christian. Right. It is the celebration of Christ's mass. Is... Is any artist singing a Christmas song where the lyrics are literally Jesus is here? I mean, I could pick any song that I can't Little think Drummer of. Little Drummer Boy. Little Drummer Boy, like songs that are literally about Jesus and he's here to save us. Or how are those not Christian songs? They're being sung about Christ, but they're being sung by like, who? Uh, P. Diddy? I don't know. <laughs> well, actually, P. Diddy's got a very Christian song. He performed it on The Tonight Show one time. I don't remember what it's called. But when Kanye West got really Christian recently, I was like, P. Diddy did this already. Because he had P. Diddy had some big gospel single. He performed it on The Tonight Show. And the next day, when I was in my Christian school, this one kid was like, yeah, my mom just said I'm allowed to listen to Puff Daddy P. Diddy whenever I want because she saw The Tonight Show performance. <laughs> So when this whole thing with Kanye West happened, I'm like, I'm literally not surprised because one kind of very heavily Christian song by P. Diddy swayed like a hardline Christian mom. So obviously people are going to be swayed to love Kanye West because... Josh Groban and Barbara Streisand are Jewish, but they did Christian albums, Christmas albums. What? I'm just kidding. Christmas (laughs) albums. 
So we can have a Daniel marathon of voicemail sometime because <laughs> we have one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, wow. seven voicemails from Daniel. Wow. And some of these might Danny, be like... Danny, we should have been I keeping up on these because like he does the musicality side with the technical stuff. Well, then let's play one more. Okay. Here is the most recent one. This is just from Failure Text Communicate, okay, which wasn't great. that long ago. Okay, just kidding. This is Daniel again talking about uh, Failure Text Communicate again, uh, just in case this doesn't get played for a long time, uh, so we'll know which one I'm talking about. But Good idea. <laughs> um as far as like all the like the meaning of the words in this song i find it interesting the people that are like searching for for the meaning in it to me in like just after after seventh grade when i heard this song it was like very apparent what it was about and really hit home to me um because i was like a very like nerdy kind of like, I had friends for sure, uh, but, like, very uncool kid in sixth and seventh grade. And, like, I didn't care about that much before, it, like, in elementary school because, uh, you know, I hadn't hit puberty yet and, like, didn't really care what girls thought. But then as soon as, like, some people are, like, really cool and others aren't and then there's girls you're trying to, like, catch your eye on, it just becomes, like, very apparent. Like, oh, I'm not cool and, like, the world doesn't like me or whatever. And so... This song, I think, was the maybe the one that, like, I felt the most on this album uh, back in the day when I first got it um, that, like, resonated with me. And I I feel like I just have, like, memories of, like, listening to the song and then, like, thinking about, like, you know, my year or two before that and just, like, thinking about all the hard times I had, like, at school and with friends and stuff and uh this song just made me feel more of a place and there was like um there was something better to be aspiring to um yeah all right bye well thank you i really appreciate that yeah um yeah i totally get that uh i i've been dancing around talking about some of this stuff recently but like i've been uh yeah i I had a lot jessica knows because i've been talking about it in our private lives a lot but I was a very, I was, I had crippling social anxiety and I didn't really know it at the time. And I carried it, I still carried it today, obviously, but I've carried it my whole life. And uh, basically, like, yeah, I can see how a song like this really means something because there's been a lot of songs throughout my life that really meant something to that, to this feeling that, like, I, ha- I don't have a place in the world. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I did, I always had a place in the world, but I couldn't connect to that place. Because I had this, like, incredible block that was, like, programmed into my core that prevented me from connecting in that way. And, uh, I mean, we've touched on it here and there, but Jessica's the only relationship I've ever had. And that is largely due to the fact that, like, if, if if I found a girl to be pretty and, like, I wanted to date her, right? Like, I wanted to just stand I just wanted to stand next to her I wanted to hold her hand the idea of communicating to a girl that I liked her was so insurmountable that I just was incapable of doing it until I met Jessica because I actually like by that point I'm in my 20s and I still actually had that problem but what helped with Jessica is that we're both sort of insecure in that same way and when I went to college I had a very 
specific goal in mind of I am not here to like any girls, right? I am here to concentrate. I'm here to learn. I'm be here a to good learn. I'm boy. here to be a studious boy. So when I met Jessica and we became friends, it was so fortunate to me that we we clearly cared about each other first. If if I had got if I had met Jessica in high school, if we were the age appropriate, which we're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! For Foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, yeah, to the song this week. Um, like we pro- we might not even be together because I would have had no ability to talk to her, and it's it's so, that's, so there's been a lot of songs over the years, and unfortunately like nowadays I don't know some other song we'll talk about this somehow somewhere but like it's become a big um, painful thing to me that I have figured all this out about myself in hindsight, and uh, so much of the punk music that I listened to gets labeled as like incel and problematic, right? But like. I connected to those songs because those songs were about like you can't get a girl to notice you or like you. And I understand that there's a difference between certain types of certain like Blink-182 songs where you're like, hey, woman, you're supposed to have sex with me. But that's not what it what was in my heart, right? Like my heart, I connected to the songs of like, like, I like her, but I can't say it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Famous and they were never about song. blaming the girl. Because when they, so when st- all this stuff gets labeled as incel, I'm like, but I never blamed any girl for not talking to me because I knew I was the one who was supposed to do it and I couldn't do it. So I, it, it gets, it gets painful, like seeing the discourse and like it, people basically saying like, Danny's incel and I'm feeling like I'm listening to something and the idea comes to down to like, oh, I must be incel because I like some of the things I'm like, wait, no. I wasn't in cell. I never blamed the women for being quote unquote involuntarily celibate, but there was like a self-loathing and self-loathing is part of like the incel concept. Like they hate themselves. So they hate society and they hate women, but like nobody owns the idea of self-loathing. <laughs> like that's a core human concept yeah. to hate yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Half so, of Reliant K songs are about it. <laughs> there you go. But I wouldn't call them, incel in another no. own. sorry i made that about me daniel but i super appreciate uh opening up in the candor about that and to be honest the only reason why we ended up getting together is because danny liked me and it wasn't until a mutual friend fa- uh, found out that i liked danny back and told him that he felt confident enough to finally make a move right i did make i did decide it was the only it was the first and only time where i was like i think i'm gonna ask this girl out because the idea of doing that was insurmountable. The first Going to... and only time. <laughs> well, it was the first time, and it ended up being the only we time. We only had one got... date. <laughs> That's not true. We had one date, and then we got engaged, and we got married a week later. <laughs> We're one of those stories. No, that's not true. <laughs> We're one of those Christian couples. No offense if there are any of those Christian couples listening. But uh, that is all the kids in my high school. They all... <laughs> Like, deeply were, like, celibate and all this stuff. And then they all had sex. And the first time they had sex, they got their girlfriend pregnant because they didn't know what safe sex was. Well, we've been married for 11 years and no kids yet. So that's not our story. (laughs) No, and we want kids, but it hasn't happened yet. 
Well, this has become a heavy episode, so... (laughs) One thing that I took away from that voicemail was how he was talking about... Daniel was talking about how he was a nerd. And I'm like, I feel like we all were. Everybody who listened to this podcast, everybody who's into Reliant K, is some form of, like, nerdy. Just to really be able to, like, love the goofiness and the, you know, the the intricate wordplays of Matt Teeson's lyrics. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, should this be a new Patreon tier where it's the, we play Dungeons and Dragons together? We all play D&D over Zoom? Oh, we sh- well, you know, I don't feel like we do enough for the $10 tier. So maybe that should be yeah. the $10 tier. Absolutely. That's a great idea. We should do that. That'd be Let's so much it. fun. We're playing Dungeons and Dragons. We got our Dead Milkmen RPG. We can do yeah. that. We got, yeah. We got that a- ties in better yeah. to uh, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so... Charles in charge. Yep. So Charles in charge. It's funny because this episode has already got a little heavy and it might get heavier. Are we going there already? Well, not yet. But here's what I find to be the funny thing. The last two weeks we picked theologically and philosophically dense songs. Failure to excommunicate and The Last Lost the Least are like very strong, right-headed theological songs that opened up a lot of sort of like dense debate more from us than we normally do that like often you know what i mean so i came along and i said danny you know what that's it we're doing charles in charge next week yeah we're doing a fun we're doing a song song. we get to talk about 80s television (laughs) what can go wrong (laughs) everything went wrong what could possibly be wrong when you google charles in charge What could possibly be out there? Oh, I just clunked my glass. What are we drinking tonight? We're drinking, oh, another person who says they believe in Christ, but does not identify as a Christian, but also is problematic in his own ways. Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. Uh Uh-oh. He says, well, I don't, his his problems are like, he just kind of like rambles on stage now and is, 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 he's not. Is he talking about the lizard people? He might do kind of stuff like that. I had a sculpture professor who did that once and everybody ended up dropping the class because it was in that specific amount of time. It was a three hour sculpture class. And it was like the first thing he did was he was like, glue some stuff to a board. That was like his first assignment for sculpture. And then the rest of the time, he'd talk about how we're all going to become lizard people in the near future. And we're all looking at each other like, what is going on? A couple of years ago, so we're drinking Megadeth's beer. And I'll explain why in a second. But Dave Mustaine, he's not as bad and problematic as a Scott Bayo. Like a Scott Bayo will go on a Fox News and talk about Oof. how incredibly right wing he is and stuff. But Dave Mustaine, I think a couple years ago, he just seemed to be having he just seems to be having like he he's he exists in another plane of mental uh, under sure. uh, of, of mental conception. Nothing wrong with that. And so he might have ideas that seem problematic because he just says what he believes. And but he's like not a political guy, so whatever. Megadeth beer. We went to the Rainbow Room. We wanted to go to the Rainbow Room and actually Rainbow Bar and Grill. The not Rainbow the Bar Rainbow. and Grill. The Rainbow Room is the one yep. uh, at Thirty Rock in New York yes, City, where we went for my twenty first birthday. We did. No, the Rainbow Bar and Grill next to the Roxy, and mm-hmm. we were like, well, we got to have some of the rock and roll beer because they had all the beers that are like <laughs> labeled as you know owned by or labeled with like rock and roll bands and i was like oh let's do the megadeth beer jessica likes this is a belgian style ale and jessica likes light and blonde and golden beers and i was like we'll try that one and it was actually amazing 
It's a really good beer. So we stopped at BevMo and we bought some. It's like Green Day's coffee. Green Day oh, makes so amazing good. coffee. We harp Mega on this Death way too it. much on the podcast. I know. I want <laughs> Oakland Coffee to be a sponsor. Our sponsors, yeah. I don't need Megadeth beer to be a sponsor. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. What comes up when you type in Charles in Charge? We'll talk about it in a minute. Oh my gosh. This is like a thousands burn in fire and it's spreading to you. We'll t- talk about that more <laughs> at 11. Like, <laughs> Let's talk about what we're... So since this is a cover, we're going to do our cover format of episodes where we talk about the original first and then we'll talk about the Reliant K song. So let's talk about Charles in Charge. Let's talk about the theme song and then we'll talk about Reliant K's version. Okay, so I had never seen Charles in Charge. I'm too young. I didn't even see it in syndication. So yesterday when we, when Danny put on on YouTube just the theme song and then we did end up watching two episodes... That was the first I had ever actually heard the theme song, and it was not what I was expecting. It's like a female singer. It's really slow, and I think I was expecting it to be more like Perfect Strangers or maybe even like the slower, jazzy kind of who's the boss kind of a theme. It was a surprise. Well, there are two versions of the theme song which aired on the show. Both are boring. (laughs) They are, and they tie into what was kind of a shocking revelation about the history of the show, aside from the more shocking revelation, we'll get into in a minute. But season one had this 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 slower version of the theme song, and this is what it sounded like. This is, this is what it sounds like. This is what it sounded like. awful (laughs) we are not getting ready to have fun no this is so i and the thing was when we started playing this and for some reason this is a sitcom theme yeah for some reason okay this show ran for about i forget now six or eight years i did not write that aspect i think six years and this is the version of the theme song that was only on the first season it is not the version that i'm aware of because you know this show was on syndication a ton for very specific reasons. It was constantly on rotation on regular TV. So whether you had cable TV or not, and in pre-internet days, like you just turn on the TV, oh, Charles in Charge is on, oh, I'll watch it. You heard the theme song a million times because it was constantly being played on television. This is not the version of the theme song you would hear when the show is replaying on, on syndication. But for some reason, it's the prevalent version on YouTube, if you search for Charles in Charge theme song and you find various like people editing together their favorite clips and they edit it together to the Charles in Charge theme song original, it's the first season version. And I don't know why. It actually took digging to find the season two and later <laughs> wow. version of the theme song. So here's the season two. Still a little downbeat compared to the Reliant K cover. But it's a little bit more upbeat. Here's the season two and later theme song. That was a gross understatement. The new boy in the neighborhood lives downstairs and it's understood. He's there just to take good care of me. Like he's one of the family. Charles in charge of our days. 
it still sounds like every episode is going to be a very special episode. Yeah, right? It's still like, I definitely have heard the Reliant K version more in the last 20 years than I heard, than, than I heard, than I have heard the actual theme song in the last 30 plus years, right? right. I'm almost 40 now. <laughs> Uh, Jessica hates it when I mention that. I'm almost 40 now, and I was probably hearing the Charles in Charge theme song from when I was, like, six up through. Like, I don't know when it would have kind of stopped being on television. Maybe around the mid-90s, you would have stopped seeing it regularly. Um, So, yeah, you kind of think it's a faster theme song. It does have a classic 80s television melody. Like, just take the basic melody. Like, listen to the Reliant K song. Charles in charge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, blah, blah. no. It's a classic melody. Like, it, it's as classic but as the Full House theme. But only ever hearing the, like, very rock version, of, like, Reliant mm-hmm. K version, and then hearing that, I'm like, wait, this is what they were doing? Like, I thought it was going to be a little bit more rock. And there's a way to uh, have tried to, like, pep it up. Because, yeah. like, take the Perfect Strangers Ooh. theme song. Which is like Pep Central, right? Like, yeah. not only is this an amazing song, I'm playing just in it general. Like, this is like your wings are soaring. Like, this is yeah. the original. <laughs> uh, I believe I can fly. I am absolutely standing tall on the wings person. of my dreams right now. Right. It can get a little serious, but it needs to be a little bit more. It's an peppy. emotional roller coaster. Yeah. It brings you up, it brings you down. But the Charles in Charge it's theme, it's just all down. It's just, it's like, it's like an indica. It's the indica of theme songs. This is the sativa of theme songs. Welcome. Charles in Charge is the indica of theme songs. Welcome to our family-friendly podcast. <laughs> so that opening trill in both versions of the Charles in Charge theme song kind of sounds like the opening of Laverne and Shirley. That like. We're going to do it. Yes. And that amazing, that you're talking about the trill. You're saying, that, is that a drum yeah. beat thing? Well, no. Because there's also a drum beat. Sorry, I don't know what a trill is. You I, said trill. Well, I I don't <laughs> think that's real music speak. That's just me going, oh, that little like, piano-y like, chime oh, thing. This thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Because then there's an amazing drum fill in like that I have. It's as classic to me as the Friends Claps. There it is. Dip, dip, dip. <laughs> dip, 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 dip. Like that. Yes. Like you just. If you're an '80s kid and you watched anything that happened to be on television, that dip, dip, sit- those are the sitcom drums. For yeah, sure. for sure. Uh, so the show itself, I kind of like. I said, I. It's a show that I seen on television when I was young. And I knew the basic premise. I only remembered one episode. Like, I'm sure there's some random episodes that if I watched them again, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember this one. But right now, asking me, other than the two we watched as research, if you're like, mention any episode of of Charles in Charge, I'd be like, the only one I can remember is when Buddy invents a peanut butter pizza and everyone <laughs> and everyone assumes it's going to be gross, but then it ends up actually like winning, uh, like everyone actually likes it. Like the, I think some pizza company is coming to check out the pizza parlor and he sure. gives them the peanut butter pizza and they actually like it. Because obviously I love peanut butter, so <laughs> that's the only reason I remember that episode. But the show itself is about a male nanny. 
Charles is in charge because Charles is a male nanny. And I don't think I understood that he was a college student when I was a kid because when I was a kid, I didn't really fully understand college. I was like, oh, don't you live on a dorm? Like, no, he was a college student and he meets this family and he watches their kids for them and he helps with their kids. Jessica and I watched two episodes and the next most shocking thing, (laughs) the the non-problematic shocking thing we discovered is what happened after season one of this show. And that is that Charles in Charge, originally, he was the male na- he was the nanny of this one family. And then after season one, the show was canceled on NBC or CBS. I don't remember. It was canceled. And then it was revived sort of at the last minute before they like totally broke down the sets to be first run syndication. And that's why it was constantly on syndication is because it was first run syndication. So instead of being on a network, it was on any network that would book it, right? It could be on any network and they could kind of book different times. Um, and when they came back for season two, now not on a network, now first run syndication, they completely recast the family. <laughs> they bring back Charles, they bring back Buddy. And that's it. And that's it. And it was All like- All new folks. <laughs> oh, because we watched the first episode and I was like, I don't really remember these kids, right? I'm like, I don't remember these kids. So I'm like thinking- Maybe they recast them in the second episode. We actually had to... We went on IMDb. We went on IMDb. And I was like, wait, it says that all these, like, who you think of as the classic cast of this show, like, who were there for the most episodes, started in season two. So I was like, Danny, we need to watch season two, episode one. And it's essentially two two different pilots, right? Yeah. So the only episodes we watched as research for this were season one, episode one, and season two, episode one. And it's in story why the family is switched. Because I was like, do they do they come back and they just recast <laughs> right. the family with new actors and don't mention it? No, they do have a they reason. They mention it, yeah. yeah. They come back at the beginning of season one. Charles went on a two-week ski trip with Buddy. And when he gets back... It's like a camping, hiking yeah, trip. Yeah, camping, hiking trip. And when he gets back, the family is, like, gone. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a new family There's a new in the family house. living in the house. And, and the new like, family is like, And the new family is, like, <laughs> jokingly, they're like, there's a stranger in the house. And it's like this, and he walks into his room, and there's some new kid sleeping, like, in his room unpacking. And he thinks it's the boy that he knew from season one. But it's actually this new kid for going forward. And it's like, this is so bizarre. <laughs> they just scrub the entire original cast. And then... They, like, paid whatever it was to get the original mom and the original son to show up for this, like, handoff Yeah, one episode. of the original sons, because there were originally two boys and one girl. And right. then when they brought it back, it's two girls and one boy. Right. So there is a handoff thing where the original mom shows up and she's like, we tried to reach you on your trip. The dad from season one. <laughs> that's it. It'd be funny if that's what she, how she put it. We tried to reach you. The dad from season one got a new job in Seattle and we had to move almost overnight. And we've sublet the house. We still own the house, but we're subletting it to this new family. And we told them about you. After like all the mix-up sitcom stuff about who's this guy walking around our house and the jokes they're in. They're like, we told them that if they then they, they should hire you. But then in in this, it is like a repilot on Community. They have this, they talk about the repilot. I think it's in like season four or five. They're basically like after a show gets stale, you kind of like restart it. And it's almost like a repilot with characters you already know. This is a repilot. And they um, like Charles actually at this moment is like, 
well, I've already had wacky adventures for season one getting involved in the lives of these kids, so maybe this is my time to go get a college apartment with Buddy and just, like, get babes, right? Because that's also Charles Charles and Buddy's main motivation in the show is they just want babes and but it's yep. supposed to be endearing because they're supposed to be like nice boys but it comes off in this day and age very bad like they are just like getting chicks you know what i mean yeah so then in the end he stays with the new family and he stays with them for five years yeah the premise of the show is my biggest problem with the show why would you hire a male live-in nanny? An 18-year-old right. male live-in nanny. It's 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 kind of odd, right? I mean, like, it's the early 80s when the show starts, and then I guess it ends as... It's like the mid-80s. Mid-80s, and it ends as we get into the 90s. So, yeah, it is a little odd. Um, yeah, it's a little odd. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It seems like people were maybe more trusting of the idea of, like, male babysitters and male nannies back then. But then, um, given what ended up coming out about three years ago, which we'll just mention now, is that the older actress of the two sisters from seasons two through the end of the series has come out with very serious accusations against Scott Bayo for sexual uh, abuse. And it was basically a situation where he, like, dated her or he was, like, with her. And I guess we got to say these are her ac- these are her accusations. These are her alleged things. But I find it pretty easy to believe her. Yeah. Um, that basically she was, like, 14 through 18 when the show ended. Right? 14 through 17. 14 through 17 by the time the show ended. The age of con- the age of consent in California is eighteen. <laughs> it's it's younger in some other states, but in California, it it was then, and it is now always been eighteen. So, like they both admit that they had at different points, they have both said like they had sex when she was seventeen, but that there was other like physical stuff happening for years before that. And she was a confused teenager. And Scott Bayo, for anyone who doesn't kind of know or really have the reference to Scott Bayo, maybe nowadays he just seems like this washed-up actor who appears on Fox News once in a while. He was a heartthrob at the time, like it or not. I think people found him very annoying even back then. But he was on Happy Days. He was on this show. He did movies that were popular in the 80s and the 70s. He was seen as like... Uh, like he was like a teen beat type actor that girls liked girls had crushes on so for her she's a teenager on Charles in charge this is his big happy day post happy days show and he starts like giving her physical affection she's a teenager these are her allegations I find them easy to believe and uh, you know she is underage and then she she kind of like played it off. And you can go watch YouTube videos where she's on, like, morning shows talking about these allegations. And she had basically explained, like, like I didn't make these accusations until recently because I was confused because I was a teenager. And I thought one of the heartthrobs of television is interested in me. He's my boyfriend. But he, but then she realized later on when she had kids and realized all the predatory you know, ways that men treat women, like, oh, no, wait, I was 
groomed. <laughs> I was groomed and, and you know, abused. It was not okay. It was not okay. And she was always underage as long as she was on the show. And then his reactions in recent times have been like vitriolic. No, this didn't happen, right? But I'm just saying... I wa- we watch the videos and I find them incredibly easy to believe. And he hasn't, and there's... He also has further allegations against him from the boy who played the son on right. the show as well. Because a couple months or at least a year later, after she finally came out about three years ago with these allegations, the younger boy then supports her. He's now a man. He's grown up. He comes out and says, one time I walked in on them with her in his lap and they were actually like, doing stuff that I didn't understand because I was too young and I thought oh we're just all hanging out so he jokingly jumped up in Scott Bayo's lap as well because he did not understand what's going on here is a sexual situation he's a kid he thinks we're all hanging out and Scott Bayo immediately pushed him to the floor started yelling homosexual epithets at him and and slurs and then for the rest of the series constantly treat belittled treated him badly and just tried to ruin his life and these are allegations these are all things that are alleged that i find very easy to believe plus the thing is scott Bayo had a vh1 reality show in about 2009 and it was a show about how it was the fakest fake jessica and i watched it at the time yeah, we did right scott Bayo it was has, like 2007 I we've think. always yeah Scott Bayo is 34, no, 40-something and pregnant or something. Right. Scott Bayo is, is, is like, each season had a different name. It was like, Scott Bayo is 30-something and single. Scott Bayo yeah. is 30-something else and about to get married and whatever, right? The show was about how he was a womanizer and how he, like, treated women badly. But it was through the lens of, like, hey, I've... I've nailed down a lot of women, but it was all, uh, you know, consensual on the show. This is the attitude. Like, but I've been a womanizer and I've been a bad dude, but I had a trail of broken hearts. But now I'm ready to settle down. But can I settle down with the woman I'm going to marry? But it was the fakest, fakest show. Like, it was so obviously scripted. We watched it It at the time. It was not great. And the uh, actress who accused him of, of the things that happened when she was a teenager, uh, she was on that reality show as one of his like ex relations, right. To discuss things and to have like kind of a serious talk on the show. But then people kind of push that in her face when she, when they're like, well, why do you only come out with these heavy allegations now? Why didn't you do them back in 2009? And she's like, well, because that was what the point of the show was. And I still didn't understand that I had literally been abused. I thought I was just his ex-girlfriend at that point. It does not matter when people finally feel safe enough to come out and speak their truth. Right. It, it does it not matter. matter. It doesn't matter maybe what they've said in the past, what they've been pushed to say in the past, what they felt, you know, sort of... of you know, bullied into or felt maybe that a job or something was hanging over their head if they didn't. Right. Yeah, I think we can understand this on a... I think as humans, we should be able to understand this on a basic level of, like, entertainment news. How, like, a certain, like an actor might not come out and say, like, hey, this, this director was a dick. Right? Not even, like, saying they abused me or whatever, but, hey, I got a story about this director that I worked with was an asshole on this movie, Right. But now it's been many years and I don't work with that studio anymore or that director isn't uh, like as powerful as he was. So I can tell this story and laugh at it. Right. 
we all understand, but he would, ne- but that actor would never tell that story closer to when that movie came out. And we can all understand, like, now I can reveal this. So how is something as traumatizing and confusing and awful as sexual abuse, especially when you are under the age of consent in California? <laughs> like, even like, like I said, like she thought she whether or not she felt it was consensual or whatever at the time doesn't matter. It's like when it's when she starts to understand it, it takes time to frame these things and understand them. And we touched on it a little bit earlier. Like I have things that like I thought I was in evangelical culture my whole life. And it's this podcast that helped me realize, oh, no, I've reframed everything and I understand everything better. And and my abilities as to make friends or not make friends or have girlfriends or not have girlfriends, like all those things get understood better later on. So how can people somehow because sexual allegations like are people should be held heavily accountable for the things they did. But because that's such a like stark thing to happen obviously the accused fights hard against it and then people look oh yeah well why didn't she say it for 20 something years it's like no you don't take (laughs) it's it's obnoxious and awful how people take sides in things like this but the thing is and it's all alleged but i find it very easy to believe (laughs) so i just keep saying scott bayo has always seemed like a fucking dick right (laughs) he's always seemed like a dick Charles in charge of our days and our nights. So that's it made what we everything that after we found that out, it especially made the like soft reboot of season two. Every single line was like, oh no. Right. Oh no. Because it's just filled with like entendres and things like that. And we're just going, oh no. There's, there's literally a line that says Charles is rubbing off on her in the wrong way. And in everyone the episode! Gets, and it's not just like an accidental thing. There's a knowing, like, what? With like Because the, there's a grandpa character who we haven't even talked about. But in the season two soft reboot, they introduce a grandpa character to the new family. And the grandpa is the only one in the first ep- in the first season two first episode that's not trusting of Charles. Everyone, the original mom has told the whole family Charles is great. He'll be amazing with your kids. But the grandpa turns up late, so he's like, "Who's this kid? Who's this old man? Who's this? Who's this guy?" And he doesn't trust them around his granddaughters. And I'm like, it's so awful in context that that's the premise of the first episode is that the grandpa thinks Charles is there to get his granddaughters. It's so uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. But let's go back a little bit and let's talk about the pilot episode. So they throw all of the exposition into dialogue. Like you are thrown right into the middle Mm -hmm. of this show like you've been watching it for years now right and it's through buddy the best friend who tells you the premise of the show three and a half minutes into the episode through right. dialogue he is having with charles yeah charles is already their nanny yeah. of the original season one family and the episode opens with them just walking in the house and talking about whatever that day and then yeah there's just like a whole exposition dump it's like, oh, that's where Gwendolyn we are. Gwendolyn Pierce or something like that. They're all they're talking right. about. He about has the a girl. date, yeah. with with the would will they won't they girlfriend apparently only of season one. Gwendolyn Pierce apparently was throughout all of season one, but didn't continue through to season two and after. The beautiful, popular girl on campus, right? And now this, I have to say, 
this house is the most steady set house I have ever seen. You know how you watch like Full House or Family Ties and you really feel like you're in someone's home. The Charles in Charge set feels like cardboard. Nothing about it feels like alive or warm. Right. Like the set shakes it when also they walk very across tight. the room. Yeah, it's it a does. very small living room. What's with the staircase in like the middle of the room? It's right. so awkward. It feels like a loft apartment, but it's supposed to be a house. It's very awkward. Oh my gosh. And then the dad who has, they've got like a 15, 16 year old daughter and then down. And the dad comes in and says he's 35 and Danny and I lost our minds. And they say it three times throughout the episode. To remind you that the dad's 35. Right. We're like, no. Yeah. And he looks, of course, like 50. Right. Um, And the episode, it basically comes down to like, he's got this date with the popular girl on campus. And suddenly he's got to watch the kids that night. And also a boy is coming over to study with the oldest girl in, in the house. So it's like a base. So Gwendolyn Pierce agrees to come date Charles at the house. And Buddy's also like, oh, and you can lie to her and say this is your house and you're rich. Right. Yeah. So right off the bat, it's this predatory thing about lying to girls for sex, like immediately from the original, original episode. Oh, this episode is filled with racism and sexism. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot. Maybe we don't want to describe the scene, but there is a scene that involves a Chinese delivery man. It's not okay. A Chinese food delivery guy. And it is, wow. We were like, whoa. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the audience loved that joke. They just went crazy for that joke. Oof. Oof. And then it has like the thing of like a reverse joke at the end that makes it like, Unracist, but it's racist from the beginning. No, it was just racist from the start. No, no, I know, but it's this thing where, like, oh, but if we end the punchline with this, where the Chinese delivery man has the upper hand of the joke, well, then is it really racist? The answer is yes, but at the time, they probably felt better about themselves in the writer's room. So the episode, the episode overall is like, it's this like moral thing where it's like he wants to date Gwendolyn Pierce. But he's also nervous that the older girl in the house is with the boy studying. And he's, like, nervous that they're up to something. It's, like, so, uh, like, corny for the show. But then at least it kind of ends. Like, if you think for, like, this, like, mid-80s family comedy. But it's, like, so over the top. But then it kind of ends with, like, I guess a good moral in the end where it turns out the popular boy at school who's dating the teen, who's studying with the teen girl... And the, the popular girl on campus who's there for Charles, they were both taken the wrong way. It's like, they, they, hey, they're not they're not like that. Yeah, you're trying to say they're not just objects. No, right. the message of this episode is how hard it is to be hot. Right. Fuck this show. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, there's like a whole thing like... They're like, oh, you know, people don't necessarily, you know, it's so hard to be popular and they don't necessarily look at me for my brain. It's so hard to be me. Okay, sure it is. It would have been hilarious if the high school boy who is popular and the cool girl from campus who are popular Uh went off together in the end of the episode. No, 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 no. I'm shocked they didn't. Right. Yikes. (laughs) All the yikes. So that's Charles in charge. Right. And so 
one other thing I thought about is that, and we'll get into this with the original Reliant K lyrics, but this idea of like a show is canceled. On, now, nowadays it happens where a show gets canceled on network television, maybe gets picked up by Netflix, or a show gets canceled by Netflix and gets picked up by another network. That's kind of a easy to understand thing nowadays. Well, this would happen back in the 80s because first run syndication was this concept that's basically like the network less, the network less network. And it happened with Baywatch because Jessica and I also coincidentally, not in preparing for this episode, watched the first episode of Baywatch recently. Because the older sister also appears later on Baywatch, which right. is in the lyrics of exactly. the Lion K song. But we recently watched the first episode of Baywatch. And I'll just tell you, the, the original, it's a two hour first episode of Baywatch. It's actually amazing. At least the original first episode of Baywatch is pretty cool. It's like... Got a nice story. It's very 80s, 90s if you have a nostalgia for that stuff. It's not over the top. It's not unbelievable like some later Baywatch episodes would get. It's not cartoonish and Machen and Mick appears in it for Twin Peaks fans right. out there. Yeah. And it's actually like reasonable because she plays a stalker of one of the... Um, lifeguards? Machen Mick plays a stalker of one of the lifeguards. Like she gets... She gets obsessed with him because she saved his life, right? He saved her life. Because he saved her life, right? And... It goes in this place that you... So she wants to ruin his the lifeguard's relationship with his wife. But it actually goes in a reasonable way. Where the wife is a little... Like, believes that maybe her husband's cheating on him. Cheating on her. But then, like, in this reasonable way you would never expect from a show like this. The wife's like, okay... Like you like tell me the tell me what happened and we'll go and we'll we'll confront this you know we'll talk to this girl. It's like whoa like they didn't just go like the obvious like I I'm just the stalkers just you know you know yeah crazy hate saying that word but that's how it's depicted in the show and the wife just doesn't believe up until there's a knife fight at the end like no they actually had everyone acting like humans. Point is there is a knife fight at the end though there is a knife fight yes. <laughs> uh, but Baywatch had a bigger budget in the first season and then was canceled as well and picked up by first run syndication. So that's why these shows became so ubiquitous on television back then is because they were on tons of different networks all the time and you would just find them on television. Now there's a whole Baywatch channel on our Samsung yes, TV. There is. <laughs> so we only watched these two episodes, the season one and the season two openers, and we didn't watch anything else. Uh, but I don't know if we want to watch anything else, right? And it's like, yeah, it's just like it, like learning what we learned kind of hampered the whole thing, and I feel rightfully so because it comes up with this whole thing about like when you learn about you know these the art versus the artist. the art versus the artist, and when you learn about abuse in certain contexts of things, like can you continue to enjoy the art? And to me, I'm like, well, Charles in Charge, no. I can let it go. I don't care, right? You really don't care. But then Bill Cosby show as well, right? Like, I actually really loved the Bill Cosby show. What he did was so abhorrent. It was like, no, I'm good. I don't ever need to... Because I'll never look... Because then I look at him like, yeah, he looks like... He's got a face like a deviant. Like, he's hiding something. Oh, jeez, Danny. He's got that look in his eyes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what? You don't agree? If you go back and watch some... like. Like, Bill Cosby just had this dead look in his eyes. Oh, my gosh. I don't know that anybody looks evil. I'm not going in that particular <laughs> direction. But it's really a shame because there are so many other talented people who worked on that show who aren't terrible people. And yeah. so it's sad that now, you know. There's always and there's always something else. And I guess it's worse if it's like someone that you really like put your identity into. Like maybe there is your favorite show or your favorite band or your favorite music artist. 
and something comes out about that. Maybe you are, you've like had something played at your wedding or like whatever, you know what I mean? You own, you have a collection, you have like millions of dollars of collection. Oh, like Ren and Stimpy. That was a whole nother thing. Ooh, I'm really hoping Phil Collins doesn't get canceled anytime <laughs> soon now. Because you said the Col- wedding thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant because you're Phil Collins tattoo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I recently watched the Red and Stimpy documentary, and it was actually a very similar thing there. But uh, John Kay, the creator of, of Red and Stimpy, was ostensibly canceled for what he did. And there's way more proof of what happened there and way more obvious, like front facing stuff that he did. And basically his thing was, he is this like incredibly problematic artistic guy who like, you know, was very, very talented in what he did, had a style and created something that no one else could create, but had this studio where he ran people through the ringer in terms of like a toxic work environment he created to make the show Ren and Stimpy for everyone involved. Meanwhile, he starts getting letters from a teenage girl fan that he falls in love with reading her letters. Her mom agrees to have her moved out to California and they start living together at like 16 or something. But then like she's around and like everybody knows that's his 16 year old girlfriend. Like it's not a secret. And then she eventually moves out because like he's not like like he's not like I guess he doesn't beat her or anything but it's just like it obviously becomes a toxic situation and she moves out and then he makes her life hard from there and he's hiring more teenage girls to work on his new studio after Nickelodeon fires him it's not okay it's all not okay yeah and now he's been like you know canceled and people in the end are like well do we enjoy Ren and Stimpy because Ren and Stimpy means a lot to people it really does even though Jessica does not like Ren and Stimpy she's never liked Ren and Stimpy but, and the other thing is, like, when you watch the documentary, the guy's in the documentary, and he, they're like, what would you say to her? Like, this is your chance, like, on the documentary, what would you say to her, right? He basically stole her late childhood, kind of, like, r- r- shaped it to what he wanted to be, didn't let her be herself, and also, like, they were together, you know, when she's underage. It's, like, ridiculous and horrible, right? They're like, what would you say to her for what for this? And he's like, well, I would say that we should talk. We should talk. And like, no, no, you shouldn't talk. She missed her prom because she was dating this like 30-year-old man. Right. It's not okay. Yeah. It's all not okay. Yeah. So it's awful. And men are disgusting. And it's like, he's like, oh, I would talk to her. I want to talk to her. It's like, no, say right now you're sorry. And he literally doesn't say he's sorry. And it's one of the moments of a director of a documentary inserting themselves that I'm totally fine with, where you hear the director off mic go, would you say you're sorry? Because they gave him as much chance as possible to say I'm sorry. And he's like, didn't I say that? No, he literally didn't say that. (laughs) And that's just like the, it's like, I'm good. I'm good if, like, bad stuff happens behind the scenes on something that I enjoyed. I don't need to watch it again. I just never need that thing again. Charles in In charge of our days and our nights. So I'm glad we're finally having a nice, fun, (sighs) loose episode. (laughs) It's awful. So... I didn't know the can of worms I was opening when I picked this song. Well... Let's go take our break. Let's reset. And when we come back, we'll just talk about Reliant K, who have nothing to do with anything we just talked about. They just covered a fun television theme song and added some new lyrics. Hey, this will be Danny and Jess on an advertisement. Say the bomb! 
we want to thank you very much for listening to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Sadie Hawkins Pod. From there, you can interact with us as well as view the videos and images we talk about on the show. You can also call our voicemail line, which is 402-95-SADIE. That's 402-957-2343. Leave us a message and we can play it on a future episode. Also, we invite you to check out SadieHawkinsPod.com, one simple place to get links to all our social media and a link to our Tee Public store. There you can pick up merchandise, or merch as it's known in the industry. We have our Black Flag parody shirt, our little Sheet Boy ice cream shirt, and our all-new Boys from Canton ampersand shirts that list the first names of every album lineup of Reliant K. And if you can't get enough of us, well, good news. At patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod, we are releasing at least two bonus episodes a month. You'll also have access to our whole backlog, including our discussion of Owl City's Ocean Eyes, reading through the complex infrastructure book, and the songs from K is for Karaoke. Finally, we want to thank our current patrons, who include Daniel, Josh, JR, Jarrett, Eric, Joel, Connor, Michael, Helen, Samantha, Roxanne, Jimmy Eat Pod, This Might Be a Podcast, Tucker, David, and Brady. We hope to see you there, and even if we don't, we hope that you will keep us in positive regard. Hey Jeff, have you ever heard of Reliant K? No, Tracy, I haven't, but you know what that reminds me of? If I had a million dollars. What? Oh, no, no, don't do I it. I would buy you a cake car. A nice, reliant automobile. Yes. How did I know you were going to go there? Well, it could have something to do with the fact that it is the most famous song by the band we discuss every week. Oh, you mean Bare Naked Ladies? Dude, Reliant K is a Christian rock band. You can't say that. Sure I can. I don't think you can. Okay, bye. BNL. We have a great time discussing all the BNL songs alphabetically over at Bare Naked ABCs. Dude! We're not naked when we do it, and it's a podcast. Anyway, I've heard these guys and their music. These guys can take a joke. Ooh, I have one for you. Don't. Have you heard the one about the boy who moved into the hen house to sleep? We've already done this song. He woke up with yolk on his face when he found that all the hens had crossed the street. (laughs) Oh, for bad jokes like that and more, come listen to us on all platforms you download podcasts. Just look for Bare Naked ABC. Dude! It's a brand name. So, Reliant K, the band that we talk about every week. They did a cover of this song, and it is on the self-titled album, and it's also on the All Work and No Play demo, and for some reason on there, it's called My Good Friend Charles, yeah, which maybe is a reference to something. Maybe that's something a character says, but I don't understand that reference specifically. Maybe they were trying to get around the fact that they were doing the theme song? Let Okay, so let me just say, talking about the demo... Normally, when we cover a song that was on the demo, as well as the self-titled or anatomy... right. I'm like, yeah, this song is amazing on the demo. I wish they had done it more like this. Mm-hmm. This is <laughs> this is this is what that sounds like. It has something of an intro, and then we'll just skip ahead. Charles in charge of morals and our rights So I say I want Charles in charge of me 
Charles in charge of our yeah. day. Hello. British Tyson. Good to see you, British Tyson. Like, it still has that fun skate punky garage it's SoundCloud a little awesomeness. too like sloppy we're jamming yeah. out to me but it's just a it's just th- th- this is one case where it's like this sort of didn't need to be on the demo in hindsight like it kind of makes sense in in its way because when you're a band that wants to project like a fun punk uh we're here for a good time attitude doing a little cover doing a little like television theme song on the on your album makes sense like it's just a fun little novelty moment that we're gonna throw in here right that makes sense but it's just so sloppy and not good <laughs> compared to and they actually polished it up a little enough on the self-titled they album. really did it's a great song on the self-title and it kind of breaks things up a little bit it's like all the songs on you know some of the songs are religious on the self-titled but there's like we need a couple of fun songs songs about nancy drew song cover charles in charge Songs about uh, Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson, even though it also has a religious undertone, but it's not like a worship song. You know what I mean? Songs about Back to the Future. Songs about Back to the Future. Like so, it just kind of it really goes with that album. It really goes with the the sense overall of the self titled album for sure. But it kind of doesn't. It's just it's just kind of a sore thumb to me on the demo. And then so there's this moment, um, you know, somehow somewhere someone at Goatee Records or something. Got Willie Ames, who was the actor that played the best friend on the show, Buddy, to call up, because you could tell it's on a phone, and say, like, hey, Charles, check this out. This is fat, which is so it's 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 so silly to say fat, P-H-A-T. Right. It's such a dated thing. I wish he just said It was rad. the year 2000. I know. It's like this ironic thing of, like, it's hip. It's kind of like a... It's kind of like a like a, a rap vernacular that got kind of co-opted by everybody, but to such a point that it's like you can't possibly like check out lead singer Matt Tisa on solo guitar. He's the bomb. And then that's the thing in the middle, right? Uh, well, there's a version of that on the demo, and this is what it is. This will be Matt Tyson performing on solo guitar. Oh, hi, other band member that's totally not the lead singer, Matt Thiessen, because lead singer Matt Thiessen has a British accent. Yeah, who was that? Was that Hoops? Was that the, was that, was that, wait, was that, uh, oh, what's the name of the drummer on this? Stephen Stills. No, no. Stephen. Frockholm. Whoa, that's right. I'm off. I'm so off. Todd. 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 I had to look it up. I actually looked at our website for our shirts, <laughs> where I have the ampersand <laughs> shirts. Todd. So I was like, oh, is that Todd? No, it's just Matt Thiessen doing that thing himself. I almost would have thought, like, I would have guessed that Willie Ames coming in and saying, here's Matt Thiessen on solo guitar, he's the bomb, was like an addition, like added into the, the track for the self-titled. I wouldn't think there was anything like that on the demo, yeah, much no. less it being Matt Thiessen introducing himself in the third person. They're just it recording so in a strange. church with with Mark Lee Townsend, one of their friend's dads, doing this as a favor. Right. And this is also one of the things that I have refer- referenced in the past as being kind of genius about Relying K at this time, is that Thiessen's name is mentioned two or three times on the record. It's, it's, it's mentioned... It's mentioned when Tyson introduces himself. He's like, "Yo, this is Tyson. Leave a message at the." And then you have um, 
check out lead singer Matt Teeson on solo guitar. Yeah, you have check out, but then you also have um, Toby Mac saying, "Hey Teeson, man, this yeah. is you know the fact that you name checked the lead singer three times on the album, it's kind of genius." Because it actually goes to that rap thing of how rap artists can name themselves in a song, and it gets it gets their name in your head, and you start thinking of them more. Whereas so many rock songs, like especially if you like just randomly find an MP3 on the internet, you may never know who had what who had to do with what, right? Yeah. And some of these bands that go back to my uh, high school days, like I don't know, like literally the booklet might be the only thing that tells me anything about the band, right? So. It's that's cool that it's on the self-titled record, but for some reason it doesn't feel cool when it's Teeson introducing himself. <laughs> <Not> so much. <laughs> so it does have that. So you know, like I don't know. It has these Weezery guitar uh, garage rock like sort of little like things in it. It's an interesting demo, and maybe on its own, like if this hadn't been redone for the self-titled and we had to talk about this song only as the demo like we have to do for b-rad and a couple other songs that were only on all work and no play this would be fun on its own yeah but the fact that they improved it so greatly on the self-titled record really actually reduces the interest in this particular song on all work and no play and april agrees over there she's barking excuse me i burped edit that out and april agrees over there yeah so this song is much better on the self-titled. Is it your favorite song on the self-titled album? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I do enjoy it. It was never a skip. It was always a listen to. It just sounds, especially the way they kind of started out this way, where it's sort of punky, sort of slow, and then they speed it up. It's just really cool. I'm listening to it again because... And you got the drumstick clicks. It's good stuff. Yeah. And that relatively, like, clean, driving, punk sort of forward sound as opposed to the sort of chunky, mm-hmm. plotting punk sound of the demo. Like, they really greatly improved it. Do you know the lyrics <laughs> in the middle of the song? <laughs> uh, I know that we're going to a pizza parlor with Jesus. Yes, I always... I know he's saying parlor, but I always kind of think he's saying party. You and me and Jesus, pizza party. But I know what he's saying. He's saying you and me and Jesus at your mom's pizza parlor. Because also, it didn't come up in the season two, episode one. But they go to that pizza parlor, and Charles's mom owns that pizza restaurant. I don't know if she buys it at some point or if it's just revealed that she owns it. But later on in the show, especially because one of the only episodes I actually remember involves pizza, involves the pizza restaurant. It's the peanut butter pizza episode. It feels really odd that he lives like so close to this pizza parlor and like therefore his parents live close, but he doesn't just live with them. Yeah, I guess that's a good question. I have no idea if Charles's dad is around. I don't know uh, where his mom lives. I don't know anything about that. That is a really good question. I don't know if she moves to the same town. So, oh, so I'm looking at Genius. And it says, this song is a cover of the theme song to the 80s sitcom Charles in Charge. Originally performed, which this would have been good info to have, by Sandy Cinnamon. (laughs) Wow. Sandy, spelled 
H-A-N-D-I. Cinnamon, spelled S-I-N-N-O-M-O-N. Wow. Sandy Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Reliant K adds a new second verse to the original, which references both their Christian faith and the 90s TV show Baywatch. Two things that go hand in hand. Your your Christian faith and 90s TV show Baywatch. Um, and then on Genius, it says, hey, Charles, you know, it references the intro, which I feel like I could go into Genius and say Willie Ames, <laughs> but it doesn't reference this being Willie Ames. It says, hey, Charles, check this out. This is fat. And then fat is spelled F-A-T, which when you're saying fat as in a good thing, you, you spell it P-H-A-T. Yeah. Uh, so the original verse is... For you younger listeners out there. <laughs> yeah. So the original <laughs> lyrics added to this version of the song are, Charles, I love you. I love you till the end. And I love Buddy because he's my your best friend. Let's go hang out. You, me, and Jesus at your mom's pizza parlor. And maybe you can hook me up with that girl who's from Baywatch and on your show. Uh, grammatically, like, that's not a good sentence in and of itself, right? Yeah, I always thought it was, you can hook me up with the girls from Baywatch and on your show. Like, he wanted to be with all of them. Yeah, I believe they're referring to the, is it the girl who actually has the allegations, Yes, it's the oldest girl. She's the one who went on to be on Baywatch. Yes. Um, Nicole Eggert. I know we didn't even name her before, but her name's Nicole Eggert. And she, after Charles in Charge, went on to be a cast member on Baywatch. So... And we looked it up. She's 10 years older than Tyson. So when Tyson's watching this, he's a kid and she's older than him. And he's and she's like the cute girl on the show. Right. So obviously she's very attractive lady. She goes on to be on Baywatch. So it's like this cute thing. It's like, hey, I like the cute girl on the show. Just like I had a crush on two of the girls from Step by Step. <laughs> It's just kind of unfortunate that in hindsight, the, the, this, these allegations of the last few years kind of taint this like this legacy of this song as well, right? But yeah, the two girls from Step by Step, uh, the 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 younger one who I'm the same age as, so it wasn't weird, and the uh, the old the the brunette one who was like the bombshell sure. one. She was the popular girl. I had a sure. crush on both of them. I was not interested in the older blonde sister <laughs> who was like this the, the 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 she was like the political one or whatever yeah yeah but jessica and i rewatched some step by step we picked around at random episodes because it was on hulu like we looked for specific episodes and as soon as i saw her i was like i forgot how much of a crush i had on the brunette one sure but it's not my whatever jessica's looking at me like i don't want to hear about your crushes from- i don't care <laughs> So, I mean, I do care because I love you, but it's, it's all good. <laughs> so, you know, it's this also ties in with uh, Thundercats, with uh, I Am Lion-O. It's basically two songs. One is a cover. This one's technically a cover with a new verse. But in both cases, it's Matt Thiessen writing a song about one of his favorite TV shows. Because you get the sense here that Matt Thiessen, Charles in Charge must have been one of his favorite TV shows. Because he's saying, I love you, Charles. I love you till the end. And I love Buddy because he's your best friend. And it's sad and unfortunate to learn what we learned because then it's like, well, you don't love him, you know. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's a character, but he's played by this guy that I see as a scumbag. I kind of saw Scott Bayo as a scumbag even before 
what we learned this week, right? Like, uh, he always seemed like not a fun guy to be around. He seems like a problem. He seems very aggressive when I've seen his, like, political stuff and, like, people mocking him on Twitter and everything for political reasons. Like, you can chill a little bit. Like, you can believe things that, like, the, 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 the liberal Twitter doesn't believe, but you could chill. You could chill, Scott Baio. You could just stop being... And I... Oh, man, I hated... Sorry, we're going back to this again. But his reaction... I touched on it a little bit, but his reaction to the accusations, he was so aggressive in this mm-hmm. video, this very eerily shot video, like, at his desk in his home office yeah. with that, with really eerie lighting, making him look like a villain. And he's just so aggressive and angry about these accusations. And it's like, I don't know, man. It's like, there's a, there's a, it just makes you seem like more of a villain. Like, it's just, just, it's disturbing. <laughs> so Reliant K. We have song meetings. We do have song meetings. Let's hear them. Guitar Chick on May 22nd, 2002 said, I could be wrong, but my dad said this is about a TV show called Charles in Charge. <laughs> Anybody know anything about it? What year was this I from? don't really, 2002. I don't okay. really like this one because there is no way it is a Christian song. <laughs> but Jesus is there. What are you talking yeah. about? Jesus See, is going to the pizza party or the pizza parlor. <laughs> and this just ties back to all that stuff I was rambling about before with the with the Good Christian Podcast and that voicemail. It's like this this person sees this song as not a Christian song because it doesn't teach enough of a Christian lesson. So then to me, how is Mood Rings a Christian song? I'm sure this song meanings contributor definitely does not consider Mood Rings to be a Christian song. Smurf J. Keller on May 27th, 2002 said... He he, yeah, Charles was played by Scott Bayo. He he he. Twister on June 12th, 2002 said, Charles in Charge was a kickin' show. <laughs> Stop trying to make kickin' happen. Bitter Pixie on June 18th, 2002 said, Charles in Charge of my day, of my night. Sylph... Siffle, S-I-F-L, and Ollie, and old Tem TV show, they were sock puppets. Yes, S-I-F-L, and Ollie, and Reliant K, how wonderful. I love them both. Tee-hee-hee-hee. Okay, well, Siffle and Ollie was an old MTV show that starred sock puppets. And it was uh, sort of the brainchild of the guy who wrote the uh, United States of Whatever song which like play it was like he's like a comedian creative guy who had this song that was on rock radio for a short while even though he was basically a comedian and what does this have to do with that's charles and charger so so here's what syphil and ollie look like i this was like pre-adult swim as well like i would watch his show and it was so otherworldly um but it was like something that would kind of you would see on adult swim nowadays but it existed before that um, do you remember this song at all? Then someone else is telling us to Hold go to there. Softer to Me <laughs> lyric page for a great discussion again. She comes up to me and she's all like, hey, aren't you that dude? I'm like, yeah, whatever. So later, I'm, I'm at the pool hall and this girl comes up. Do you remember this at all? I'm like, yeah, whatever. I did not watch MTV at this This version time. might actually not be the radio edit, but uh, I'm just wondering, did Syphil and Ollie do a Charles in Charge thing and to that song meanings person 
And yeah, it doesn't come up a, on YouTube. There is another one from Ed underscore is underscore emo on July 13th, 2002 that says, I think Syphil and Ollie was the greatest show. I think the Syphil and Ollie show was the greatest thing to ever come off MTV. Like the precious Roy squirrel zappers, classic humor, and their cover of Just What I Needed is good too. So they must have. So, so I typed in Syphil and Ollie Charles in charge. And the first thing that comes up is the song meanings page that you are reading right now. Okay. <laughs> so apparently, I mean, I'm guessing somewhere in the history of the Syphil and Ollie show, they must have done a Charles in Charge thing, but it's not on YouTube. So I, and I don't think most of this show is easily accessible. It's just like random clips on YouTube now. Um, Over at charles.fandom.com, we have the theme song of Charles in Charge was composed by David Kurtz, Michael Jacobs, and Al Burton and performed by Sandy Cinnamon. The theme music was mellower in the first season and was remixed for the syndication run. And then if you scroll down, they talk about different covers. So Charles in Charge, Reliant K, Scrubs, Charles in Charge. Oh, it's a video. This did come up on Scrubs. So on the television show Scrubs, which I have not really watched, I've seen maybe one or two episodes, there are characters in that show that have a acapella group, and in one episode they sing the Charles in Charge theme song, so that came up a number of times on YouTube. Gotcha. And then The Blanks also did Charles in Charge. Which might be the name of the group, the acapella group. I think oh, they're called The Blanks. Oh, they've just given it to things here this is not a very well maintained page uh and then family guy peter griffin as a security guard and there was also a charles in charge thing that came up for family guy which i wasn't gonna play because it's from later seasons where they're like super offensive and family guy just sucks but it the the bit is like peter's on dialysis it's like so offensive peter's on dialysis and he's like oh i want to stay here at the bar and watch charles in charge could you think i can miss one dialysis treatment and then they actually show the Charles in Charge theme song, and then the characters comment over it like it's Mystery Science Theater 3000, and then it cuts back after that, and Peter's super sick because he missed his house. It's, like, super offensive, but also, like, gotcha. this is all Family Guy is now. They just talk over clips of things. That show sucks. It sucks so okay, bad. Okay, yeah. It says here that the blanks is from was the name of the group from Scrubs. Gotcha. Yeah, I was pretty sure that was the case because I found a number of Scrubs related videos. This song was also song. covered by Australian band Smudge on their debut album Manilow. Hmm. I didn't find that one. And then they talk about Reliant K. And then, yeah, okay, so here's where I knew it from Family Guy from, is that it is one of the songs Peter, uh, Brian Griffin and Stewie Griffin sang in their TV medley on the Family Guy Live in Vegas album. Oh, okay. Which I was, I listened to back in the day in college. Well, when we met in college, Family Guy wasn't what it, like, degenerated into yet. It was just another... Just like three seasons or four, maybe? Yeah, there were like three seasons or four. It had just come back on the air after its second cancellation. And Jessica was a Family Guy fan. And I was something of a Family Guy fan. But then, like, pretty quickly after it came back the second time... We were like, no. We were like, no, this is awful now. And it got... But it's gotten worse and worse and worse. Because I watched this clip that I had never seen before. And I'm like, wow, this is all they did? This is all they do. They just comment in character... Over huh. real live action clips of television shows. Interesting. Electric Hellfire Club recorded a gothic cover of the TV song theme song from an album with a bad name. So 
Yeah. Uh, I found that on YouTube as well. And yeah, what kind did it say what kind of band they are? Sorry, did it It's a goth? Goth. It's like a goth industrial thing, like a when I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is like a, a Rob Zombie type thing. And a number of the videos that I found from that contained offensive footage, like of Charles Manson and stuff. Uh, so I was like, oh, we might not talk about gotcha. this version. Okay. But just mention that it exists. Sure. And that apparently the title of the album has an offensive word in it. So seek that out on your own time if, if you desire to. Then we have TikToks. We've got a cute, <laughs> a cute dog, dog going to walk. Charles. Charles is in charge of his walk. Nice. Adorable. Just a puppy. Playing. Oh, there's a still Aww. of them in the car. Adorable. It's a fluffy, fluffy dog. Check out this dog. Like it's a golden fat. doodle. Yeah. Hashtag golden doodle. Then we have a picture of a messy bedroom with a giant Panic at the Disco poster and someone's in their bed with their hands sticking out like they don't want to get out of bed i don't know what's happening now they're wrestling around okay oh that's so cursed (laughs) 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 for the moment it cut out it's so cursed because it's just someone under their sheets kind of rooting around i don't think it's suggestive i don't think it's meant to be suggestive like you see people under sheets like they're having sex no it's clearly one person in a single person bed with their sheet over their head and kind of moving around a little bit. And right before the song kicks up, they're about to jump up or something, it, but like, then it cuts away. Yeah, punch up a little So it made it punch. feel cursed. Yeah. Uh, it says quarantine day something. <laughs> oh, like they don't want to get out of bed because it's the quarantine. Then we have, oh boy, uh, uh, Scott Bale with a jean jacket, but it's open to a blank chest and then a lady. So I guess this is a fan video. And then it cuts to a picture of Scott Bale. And then this same lady, but in front of a Christmas tree and more Scott Bayo footage. But this one has a, a watermark on it. And then it goes back again. Okay. This is why we don't <laughs> let moms on TikTok. And then finally, oh, oh, goodness. I don't, most wow. first of all, don't know. Don't know what's happening here. It's just a here. weird glitch. Okay. Is this like someone it's trying person, like, TikTok for the first time? It's this green screen and they're in front of... It's someone messing around with like a green screen. Maybe downtown LA. Yeah, it's like a photo out of a car window and that's all. It's just a static picture of that. And then someone's face keeps phasing in and out of the frame because they're on a green screen or they're doing... Because, you know, TikTok like Zoom has that thing where you can kind of cut yourself out and put yourself on a background. Gotcha. But they're phasing in and out. So it's just like they're just like caught in between dimensions. Interesting. So many cursed TikToks this time. What do you have, Dan? So this is a song that they definitely played up to a certain point back then in like the in 2000 2001 yeah i know it came up in the skate park video because that popped up in my deep dive yeah the florida skate park the ymca skate park i do have that video but before we play that um they played it in troy michigan in that sort of infamously posted full 2000 show with steven on drums underground cafe troy michigan and most of the youth group kids are completely taking for granted that reliant k is playing with them I've never fully understood this, but like, okay, first of all, this is the song they end the show with. So they're like, we got to end the show with a bang. (laughs) Charles in Charge theme song. 
But right before that, they do some sort of like rap rock hardcore song that they like dedicate to some other local band. And I don't really know if it's like a song from a friend that they know or like a band that's like a small time band that now literally the fact that Reliant K covered their song is the only thing that exists on the internet about this band. I gotta dig into it more. It might even be a cover of a known song. I've never really understood it. But they do this like heavy hardcore song. It's not done anywhere else in the history of Reliant K. All right, let's hear it. And right after that, they break a string on Tyson's guitar. Oh! So right off the bat, they're talking about how can we play this last song with a broken A string on Tyson's guitar. So let's hear them talking about that, and then it'll go into the song. An A? An A is an important string. I think we should play with it. This guy's going to sing the A string. It's our last song. We didn't write it either. <laughs> All right, well, let me take this song yeah. out before you go. You guys ever see a TV show? You guys ever see a TV show, Charles in Charge? Yeah. We we covered it song and we wrote some of the words. This song's called Charles in Charge. It's they such, wrote some of the original words. Wow. I know he's so like Tyson is. I mean, maybe he's a little tired because they were just jumping around doing like a medley hardcore song. I that thought they you were gonna play that done. song for us. Oh, you want, I'll go back and play it in a second. But let's hear the Charles in Charge song okay. that they play. So Tyson's clearly a little flustered, out of breath, has a broken A string on his guitar, but they're still going to muddle their way through the big finale of the Troy, Michigan 2000 show, which lives on YouTube. The song is Charles in Charge. New boy in the neighborhood lives downstairs and it's Understood. Understood. He's there just to take care of me. Like he's one of the family. We're just gonna have some fun. People rock, scissors rock! It's so awkward. It's as awkward as us. It's <laughs> paper, like, rock, scissors, rock. <laughs> paper, rock, scissors, rock. And he's like, that's why we brought the awkward energy to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted, you know, we were, we were in the spirit of this. Right. Of this. Subversion. But I also love that right before the song kicks in, Tyson's like, we're just going to have some fun. Like, he's apologizing for the song. Like, I don't understand. Charles in charge of and now Charles in charge of and Sounds awful. Sounds awful. It's the They're tightest doing way I've ever heard job. them play this song. <laughs> <laughs> but we've seen other sh- sh- songs from this show that are great. Like the You're the Inspiration, when we did that song, we were like, oh, we'd rather have heard them yeah. redo this version. It's cool because none of these kids in the audience even care at this point. Right. So, and now... They redeem themselves later on because by the time Dave's in the band and they're touring with Fiverr and Frenzy uh, just after 9-11, <laughs> if I can mention any more heavy topics in this episode, uh, before we get to that clip, actually, let's go back and listen to this like hardcore song that they did. I don't understand what this is. Go ahead, Brian. This song to go off on. I think Brian starts it out. I guess I got to go further back. Hold on. Thumbelina? What? Okay, hold on. There's so much chitter-chatter. That's the other thing that's amazing about this Troy show, is it's it's 43 minutes, 
of the worst stage banter you've ever heard. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they, there's so much talking in between songs. And they take multiple breaks. Because I think it's like the church's thing. Like, we need you to take breaks or something. <laughs> okay, sure. All right, should we do it? All right, we got we got one more song and then another song. <sighs> Can we have some smoke? Yeah, we need some smoke. We need a lot of smoke. Anybody want to see P.O.D. last week? I did anybody see P.O.D.? We actually wrote this song for P.O.D. Yeah, P.O.D. I think plays this song. Like, they covered it. They haven't put it on the CD yet, but they will. It's they coming out on their next one. It's called Rap Core. Actually, this song isn't a Reliant K song. Uh, it's just no. we're a separate band for this song. We got signed on Atlantic Records. Well, what's the name of our band again? Thumbelina. <laughs> this is a song by Thumbelina. It's called Come On Now. Okay, so I don't understand. This is a joke song that they wrote. I guess they wrote. This is a, a joke song that they wrote. Yeah. I never understood what it was. I, I was like, they were like, we didn't write this song. You were we out write this there song. looking up Thumbelina. No, I never looked up Thumbelina. Okay. <laughs> Danny, it's a joke. Now, me being the king of like ironic statements, like I say things on the internet, I specific, like multiple times in my life, like when I try to say something, I don't say it correctly. I say something else that gives you a different impression. Other times, I specifically, especially when I'm doing memes and jokes online, I specifically say something I don't actually believe because you're supposed to know I'm being ironic. And they are the, the most ironic. The <laughs> right, but they're like so ironic. They're contradicting themselves about this this rap rock song they're about to play. They're like, hey, I'm did so anybody confused. see POD last week? Like, that's great. We wrote this song for POD. No, we didn't. It's going to be on their next album. Not really. It's a song that it's not a Reliant K song, though. It's <laughs> this joke crazy. band that we just made up called Thumbelina. This is a joke. Shh. I'm trying to be funny. Go ahead, Brian. This song to go off on. I think Brian starts it out. Come on now! Come on now! Yeah, yeah, yeah! With the soul of a soul singer, what I say I wanna bring ya! Come on now! Come on now! With the soul of a soul singer, I say I wanna bring ya! Come on now! Come on yeah! Okay, now I get it. They were just like, we just want to go do a like a, a, a new metal song as a joke right before we end the, the set. They wanted now to do again, a rap rock song. I was like so confused, you know, especially because I had to edit this show because Neo Geo Keo, when they uploaded this whole show to YouTube, they had it in two parts. One channel was was mute. I took the two YouTube videos. I fixed them. I put them together. I put them back on YouTube. It was so confusing back then. This makes more sense. We'll have to talk about this song again when we do Silly Shoes. <laughs> Wait, Dookie Toys and Dookie Boys, make some noise! Yeah, come on now! Come on now! Come on. Now I get it. It's clearly like a Rage Against the Machine thing. Well, now if that hasn't wiped the memory of how did they perform Charles in Charge at the Detroit <laughs> Michigan show... <laughs> About a year later, they do a way better job at the Electric Youth Tour with Five Iron Frenzy, 2000, fall 2001, right after 9-11, out there making kids like me feel better by coming to their town. John Rubin, Reliant K, Five Iron Frenzy, some fourth band that I can't think of right now. 
it's not the best sound, but they're doing a better job oh, playing yeah, the song. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they must have played it right after Thundercats. Because all of these mm. uh, Teen Planet, Connors, Georgish songs, just like the Skate Park songs, are split up across the uh, across YouTube. They're not actually in one show on YouTube. Let's So Jessica wants to find out, <laughs> does anyone introduce the solo? <laughs> There's a very bounciness to this version, to this live performance of it, especially because Brian is up on stage, and this is commonly what he would do. But he's just kind of like bouncing back and forth, and he's got this circle between the mats that he's just filling in <laughs> with as much of his body as he can, just nice. bouncing back and forth. <laughs> So instead of doing like the solo, it's just a do 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 do. And they all clap. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I it, guess it feels it, as I tried to sing it back. It feels derivative of the uh, the Halloween theme. Do 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 mm-hmm. do. <laughs> it did. And he just does a little check in with the audience. How you guys doing? You helping each other up in the mosh pit? <laughs> Whatever. I wanted to hear him do the solo live. I know. Bummer. So we didn't really talk about the solo, uh, but we did talk about it a little bit. But I forgot to mention how. It's funny on the self-titled version how Willie Ames comes back and he's like, here's Matt Tyson on solo guitar. He's the bomb. And then the 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 solo is just like... It's just like this couple of notes over and over and over. You just keep doing John the Carpenter. Whole, yeah. <laughs> but he just does the same kind of... The same sequence of notes over and over. It's not really a solo. And then you hear someone in the background who I always assumed was Hoops going, man, that was terrible, right? You hear that on the studio album version, but on the demo, you don't hear that. And yet it's just as terrible, if not worse, (laughs) than it was on the (laughs) subtitled version. And it just reminds me of, uh, it it always reminds me of the Weird Al, uh, one of the polka medleys that I can't remember which one it is right now. But it's like when when he goes, drum solo, and it's like, and that's the whole drum solo. I don't remember which Pokemon medley that is. Folks, call us up. Which po- <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> call us up and remind me which Pokemon medley did that joke. Uh, and yeah, then let's check out the YMCA skate park because this would have been, I guess, in between, right? Because this would have been right when, after Steven left, but before they really had Dave in the band. Yeah, we got one more, and you you already named it. Charlie Charlie! Yeah, you guys good at that. How are you guys doing over there in that corner? Good. I see you guys singing along. It makes me feel good. Thank you. 
It's so funny because like it's nice early groupies. Yeah, and this is yeah because this band actually this audience actually wants to see the band, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're right up in Ryan K's face, right? Like I don't think we ever yeah. talked about the aesthetic of this show. Yeah, I've been to many shows with like this with bands you've heard of, like Element One Hundred One or like a different. Uh, not that you, Jessica, have heard of them, but say. bands of people out there <laughs> like, have heard oh, of. Oh yeah, Element where you're basically standing there with the band because they're these like small shows and there's no there's no uh pretension of like separating the audience and the band i know element or lmnt i think it's this i think that's the same group you think <laughs> no so they close with it here too interesting there, is, is there a date on this no it's it, the other thing is like max cap 60 uploaded all these ymca skate show videos and the some of the videos have descriptions and explanations of where it is and other ones don't. That's we only know from context when it's the YMCA Skate Park show. It's better than mint chocolate chip ice cream. So I guess that was a little that was a little bit they had at the time. It's cookies and cream. So this is probably. I mean, I I wish I could relocate the year that this the dates. Because Max Cap 60's got a million videos, so I can't really go back and figure it out. But maybe this is like less than a year after, because Steven's left the band and they don't have Dave yet. Uh, so they definitely sound tighter than they did in Troy that night. Okay, this is the People best version. People doing of the like hand motions and stuff in the front. They, they're row. doing it like like this is like a get in the pit and like <laughs> scream these lyrics back at us like this is some sort of hardcore show. Like yeah, um, this is the better of the three, I think, right? Because this has got the energy and the bravado of the attempt in Troy, but it's also it's got that la- that just slight lack of polish. But also like they're just going for it. Mm-hmm. This is the best performance of the three, I think. It does sound like he's saying girls from Baywatch. It does. And also he's 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 mixing in a little British teas in there. There's a little <laughs> little teas in just, British teas spice a, on that. Just a little bit of uh, reflex memory. Just remembering yeah. 
those days singing. So and then my S's have been really crisp tonight, and I don't know why. <laughs> we didn't change the setup at all. Well, he also name-dropped Fillmore instead of Buddy, because Fillmore was there opening for them that nice. night, as we figured out in previous videos. <laughs> No not solo. nothing even close to yeah. a solo in that one. Just there was clapping the hands. Sort of a solo at Teen Planet mm-hmm. a year later, but there was nothing even close to a solo there. So yeah, it was a fun song they could kind of do different things with when as it fit them um, in different periods of the band. Uh, but speaking of bands that do what they feel, <laughs> we move on to covers, and oh, here is boy. Princes of the Sun. Princes of the Sun are back with their fully reinterpreted Reliant K self-titled record on Bandcamp. Hey Charles, check this out, this is fat! New boy in the neighborhood. You know what? They went for it. They... Respect. <laughs> Lives downstairs and it's understood He's there just to take good care of me Like he's one of the family Charles is in charge So you can see where they really took this to a season one Charles in charge Yeah, level. absolutely <laughs> Let's see if they do anything like the guitar solo Nobody. praise and worship breakdown there <laughs> yeah. i'm now convinced that this is that this is meant to be funny this I is the loungeliers yeah that's what this is this is not sincere no i don't think so it was it's hard to tell on some of the tracks but listening to this i'm like no this is totally intentional yeah i think that's i've always had that sense but yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well uh, I, I won't i won't torture you with this Oh. But everyone can just go look up The Last Minute Guys, Charles in Charge. They performed this. We got together at the last minute and did this song performed by Reliant K for a talent show. Aww. And the thing is, they're not. <laughs> it's it's not great. 
I, you know what? I changed my mind. I am going to torture you with it. It hasn't happened yet. Wait for the thing to happen. They sound okay here. <laughs> Listen to the claps. <laughs> the claps got so out of hand and off that they were all just like, <laughs> and then they just stopped. <laughs> I don't it's know. It's cute. It's a bunch of kids it getting together. Cute. They want to do a thing for the talent show. It's adorable. And then Taylor Woot did what I guess was just for sure the best cover of them all with one of his uh, acoustic covers. And we kind of know. Let's skip ahead to the original Reliant K material in here. Charles, I love you. I love you till the end. And I love buddy. He's your best friend Let's go hang out You, me, and Jesus at your mommy's parlor Maybe you can hook me up with that girl from Baywatch It's on your show Charles in charge of our days and our nights Charles in charge it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, that's that's definitely the best cover of the three. <laughs> but I mean, heads and tails above. Um, so I said before that we'd get to talk about, I mean, I know this episode's going long, but we can talk about Jimmy Fallon's album a little bit because he kind of had a later album that I wasn't aware of that's basically like musical bits from The Tonight Show that got collected into an album. And one of them was a bit that they did where Jimmy Fallon does a Bob Dylan impression as if Bob Dylan sang the Charles in Charge theme song. Mm -hmm. So it's on... This is a thing that he does. Yeah, yeah. That's like a common like bit of his. Bit of his on The Tonight Show. But then later they like compiled these into an album, which gotcha. is kind of like a sequel to Writing on the Bathroom Wall yeah. or whatever that album was called. Yeah. Jessica does not look. I don't find humor. it funny. I just think it's it's nice. It just sounds nice. <laughs> I do like this next part where he goes back to the harmonica. It just sounds nice. It just sounds nice. <laughs> You're right. 
So uh, there's a bunch of rock bands, and there was like a there's like a grindcore band that covered it, and like a garage punk band. The grindcore band, like I don't even want to name them because like the album cover is literally a person about to be set on fire. Oh goodness! It's like <laughs> this is a who knew the Charles in Charge episode would just have the heaviest. Why stuff? is it so dark? Why when you Google <laughs> Charles in Charge on oh YouTube gosh. does it come up with so much dark stuff? Uh, it's really effed up, so whatever. Uh, but there's Scrubs. You want to hear the Scrubs version? <laughs> you know how much I love acapella. New boy in the neighborhood lives downstairs and it's... I've heard enough. <laughs> okay. It's the characters, like, walking out for the day. So there's that. That's it. That's covers. And like I said, for some reason... Here's one other garage punk version that's not, like, uh, problematic in any way. <laughs> After this chorus commercial. Whoa. (laughs) It's like, man, they just get right into it. So this version is by a band called The Name Game 2. And the, or, or, oh, you know what? This is a compilation called The Name Game 2. So I don't even get to see who the band is. Oh, this is Smudge. You said you saw a version by a band called Smudge. Yeah, an Australian band. Oh, gotcha. So here it is. Here's Smudge, because this is probably the coolest version that uh, doesn't have an awful album title name or an awful album art. <laughs> uh, and it's part of a compilation called A Half Cow Compilation, the name Game 2. There's a new boy in the neighborhood Lives downstairs and it's understood He's there just to take good care of me Like he's one of the family Charles in charge of Charles, I love you. Oh, wait, that's not part of I the like real it. song. I like it. It was nice. That was really good. Uh, and then, you know, there's fan stuff. We'll wrap up. Um, we'll just play. So there's one thing that I just found, like, this happy birthday video to a kid named Charles set to Who I Am Hates Who I've Been. Wait, what? <laughs> so it's just a bunch of pictures of this kid named Charles. I believe they're in, I can't ascertain what country, but they appear to be in an Asian country that I can't. That's nice. There's no reference in their guitar. Their their channel name is Guitar Mitch without a T. Mitch without a T. Uh, And I can't tell what country they're in, but it's just a compilation of photos of this family and this kid named Charles. And it's like, hey, happy birthday, Charles. Here's a video. That's lovely. And so then there's a tribute to a basketball player. No, sorry, to a baseball player. Okay. Which is it Willie Ames? No. (laughs) Is it? Let's find out. There's a tribute to a baseball player from the Tri City Valley Cats. I guess his name is. I'm guessing his name is Charles because they use the actual line K. So someone named Charles who plays for the Tri City Valley Cats. Charlie tribute to him i am running on fumes right now so here's the last thing i wrote i have no idea what's happening here <laughs> this is uploaded by why pandora why so 
all I can guess. Oh, good lord. Is this is some sort of comedy skit some teens did in their living room one day where they're like going to see the psychiatrist. It was a nightmare. It was just this one boy on the couch and then suddenly two girls in uniforms popped in. But they're like doing a bit. They're doing a little comedy skit, but they have the song Charles in Charge blaring over the, the bit. This is not how you put together Charles in charge a little the therapy comedy session. Yeah, I don't know. So they're here talking, I guess, giving you jokes. Oh goodness! And giving what is dialogue. Is someone and being murdered? Acting up? No, she's like stressed because she's trying to tell about her. It's a bit about psychology. Is this a Scientology thing? Is this like an anti? I think it is. Psychiatric thing. <laughs> Psychiatry sure is what death. We're watching. Because it's just. The most, it's These the kids most all have way. really prominent jobs in Hollywood now. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most chaotic way to end what felt like a very chaotic episode about a very chaotic song and a very chaotic television it, it show. It keeps cutting around in a very bizarre manner. Uh, and so that's Charles in Charge. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Jessica, do you yeah. like the song, the Reliant K song, Charles in Charge, the same, less... Or more than before we listened to it this week. Less, because I'm just sad now. I do too, unfortunately. Yeah. I think this has a really great nostalgic place as a Reliant K song, in addition to connecting to just like, you love television. But it's just tainted with what we learned. And uh, also, like, it's like apparently two other like really problematic bands have covered the song, like really aggressive evil bands with like offensive stuff covered them so like all over the place I'm and just it like, does sexualize an underage girl just I mean they do mention later when she's on Baywatch but still right yeah it, so thank you Jessica for picking a song that was a feel good episode this is why I don't pick the songs this is why I let Danny pick them and you're like you picked too many heavy songs let's do a fun one so what have we got next I wish we hadn't done the Thundercats song yet because it'd be like we're doing Thundercats next week what's gonna be the problem there But Jessica's the only relationship I've ever had. And that is largely in due to the fact that, like, I could not communicate with girls. Like, if I liked a girl, if I found her attractive, the idea of talking Thanks, Dan. to... Shit. <laughs> no, but this is... No, fuck. Okay, we're cutting that out. No, we're cutting that out. That's so funny, though. It's so fucking hurtful. No, I don't want it to be hurtful. This is really hilarious. People are going to think it's funny, though. No, let's redo that. No, it's...